So let me turn the corner a little bit in terms of because you are an educator. What are some strategies, roughly some strategies that educators can do to develop self-esteem um, for African-American boys? And I, and I use the term self-esteem, given that we're in a world where it's very much um, still dealing with, dealing with a lot of social unrest. So what are some things that educators can do to really develop that self-esteem in our African-American boys? A beautiful question and, and such a, a, a much needed um, conversation. Um, as we know, uh, African-American boys struggle the most um, academically within the school system. And it's not that they are not capable, but uh, it's a misunderstanding of who they are. So, uh, number one, I think we can recognize that African-American males are not white males. And I, I, I must elaborate on that in the sense that there's a different history. There's a different psychology and there's a different type of pressure. So we have to be honest about uh, what black males face in this society. And until we can actually be honest about that, we will continuously fool ourselves to, to expect the same expectations that you expect from other men. And I'm never the one to point the finger and, and, and just always look at society because we play a role, too. But the reality of the situation is um, we are, are plugged into a society that uh, it's not advantageous to our growth. Um, and because of that, we struggle with many situations that leads us to uh, um, having problematic situations. So for one, again, uh, understanding and recognizing that uh, black males are not, uh, they're unique in a, in a, in a sense of the, within this society. Uh, number two, um, and this is very important, um, recognizing that we are not who we perceive, who, we're, who we are perceived to be. Um, very, very important because if you check any six o'clock news, five o'clock news, uh, I was riding to work the other day and it just hurt my heart to see a, a, one of those um, billboards that kind of changes. And I saw a, bl a black male posting on there wanted like, you know, so to be programmed to uh, constantly see those images, um, whether we're talking about here in America or in Africa and other countries, people have this perception of black men that we're thugs, we're gangsters. Uh, and the saddest, the most unfortunate thing about this, uh, Ms. Smith, is we believe it ourselves, you know? And, 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 and that's challenging because then it becomes a point where other black men might not trust me because of the, how they are perceived by society. So uh, I remember once I was walking in a bank and again, I, I literally dressed how I dress now out, outside of school, you know, I'm, I'm a, a uh, casual shoe type person, uh, jeans fit. I don't sag, you know, a collar shirt, whatever it may be. And uh, this woman, uh, when I came into the uh, the um, bank. She said that uh, and I wasn't a member of the bank. So I would be charged five or six dollars for cashing my check uh, because that's where the company um, banked at. So she in her own mouth told me that um, she was not going to charge me because she thought that I was going to rob the bank. And I'm in disbelief, like I don't even, but again, I'm dark skinned, I have locks. So I fit the image physically, I guess, you know, but not even hearing me speak or knowing anything about me, it's the perception. So we really, really have to understand that black men are not who they are perceived to be. And um, number three, um, we just gotta be patient, you know, uh, be patient with the growth, be patient with the process and invest um, in the betterment of, of black men. Um, so it's, it's just the patience because we cannot neglect 
uh, 500 years, 500 plus years of the assault uh, and the continuation of the assault. You know, oftentimes, and I don't uh, mean to be political, but we look at the George Floyd situation, um, the Trayvon Martin, but uh, many people I think are a historical because, and even though we know about Emmett Till, but you know, that predates, um, uh, Emmett Till predates, uh, uh, excuse me, all of those things uh, with the lynching. Uh, it was a period in, Af in African-American history called the Nadir, uh, uh, pretty much right after slavery from about 1890 to 1920s, where it was the lowest point in black life. Uh, black men were being lynched. And in these lynchings, um, as, as we see George Floyd as a public execution, this is not new. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and, and I don't mean to, you know, seem like I'm, I'm, I'm laughing about it, but we are surprised at the treatment of how we've always been treated. One of the main reasons that you don't see a Native American is because the men were attacked first and the men are the protectors, going back to what you asked me about uh, manhood. So just understanding um, that we must be patient uh, with black men and black males uh, because of the things uh, that they go to, uh, that they go through. And, and, and we are under attack and we have to be honest about that. Like we can't run away from what we know to be the truth. All of the, the, the uh, statistics point to that. Um, in um, Wake County, the FBI uh, opened up a federal inquiry in 2005, in a sense, because uh, black males were disciplined harsher than other students based off for, for the same uh, consequences, for the same, uh, and, and, and the sad thing about it is that, that, that uh, phrase, school to prison pipeline, because you find the same exact examples in prison, you know, the same uh, consequences that are uh, the same thing that, 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 that black men do and other men do. They get harsher sentences. So and you see it in the school system in Wake County. Uh, I think they close it. They plan to close the, the case in 2021 or, or 2020. Or maybe it was last year. But the reality of it is um, Wake County had to make changes. So that inquiry was substantiated. So we have to be patient because, again, 500 years of oppression and thinking that we're going to change overnight. You know, that's not realistic. And and, you know, being a a, a, a people or a, a protector of a people who've never gone back to mental health, never got therapy for this, you know, and, and still not getting therapy for this because all of these things have been internalized. So um, uh, I elaborated on that quite a few. Uh, but that's just the reality of the situation. We have to be patient. You know, it, it, it requires that. And you did fine. You did fine. Let me also <laughs> because the re the reality is is, is that uh, there are still levels of trauma that are being experienced, and um, however males decide to um, release that trauma, whether it is through unfortunately other negative behaviors, is not contributing to the betterment of society nor of our culture as well. And so, yes, four hundred, five hundred years, and then now all of a sudden we have this ideology that we're going to uproot it overnight. There's nothing that's going to be uprooted overnight. We're going to start with conversations and be okay with having another conversation mm -hmm. and recognizing, as you stated earlier, where you are as an individual and then what are the steps you need to do to move forward and also appreciating what's happening in the past, whether positive or negatively. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and, and, and just, again, being recognizing of that that past, present and future, you know, bringing all three together and just moving forward with that, not neglecting anyone, you know, knowing where you have been, uh, knowing what you've overcame and knowing where you want to go. You know, and, and all of those stages require uh, sincere patience with the process. And that's, you know, if, if there's a word to fit, be patient with the process.
I love it. Well, thank you, Mr. Walker, so much for spending a little bit of your time with us on today. <laughs> that you have had the opportunity to enjoy our broadcast. I hope that you've walked away with nuggets of wisdom, leadership components, and things that you could implement, whether it be in your family or whether it be in your learning environment or your teaching environment or whatever the case may be. Our hope and our prayers that you walked away with something that you that is very tangible that you can use immediately. If you have enjoyed this broadcast, take a moment and share it with others so that we can continue to spread the word of how we are utilizing the component of empowerment through our broadcast, Teaching Boys and Raising Sons, so that others can be empowered as we all walk in this thing called life together. Also, if you are looking to donate to an organization, please consider us. We are a 501c3 organization, and so all donations are tax deductible. Once again, if you are looking for an opportunity to give in order for us to continue this broadcast, visit our website, also listed below, but also take a moment to just donate or, or share or let individuals know of the great work that we're doing under our, our, under our broadcast, Teaching Boys and Raising Sons. We are again are so honored and privileged that you have taken time out of your day. We know we are all busy. And we, so we are so excited that you have taken time out of your day to come and learn a, a leadership nugget, a word of wisdom, or something that we hope that will encourage you on your journey. Once again, I am Shamika Smith. I serve as the executive director and founder of the Brotherhood of Exodus Academy. Again, visit our website located at the bottom of your screen. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.